Uh, open your Bible, if you would, please. And uh, we're going to continue to start a brand new study. We started last week. I'm going to continue this for the next couple of weeks. It's um, a simple study that I think will, uh, will, will be a blessing to, uh, to you. And it's entitled, say, Too Slow, too slow. To, reach your purpose. to Reach Your Purpose. Come on, say it again. Say, Too Slow, too slow. To, reach your purpose. to Reach Your Purpose. The argument is very simple. The argument is that quite a few of you, if you're not careful, will go too slow. In the next series, I'm going to talk about too fast to reach your purpose. And that is the struggle. Am I going too fast or am I going too slow? For a lot of us, we feel like we're going too slow. You think you should be someplace right now that you're not. I want to ask you a question. Can you, can you tell me something you have accomplished, but it took longer than you thought? So I, I just want you to tell me how much longer did it take? You wanted to become a school teacher. You thought you'd be one in two years. It took you how many years? You thought you were going to get married, and you finally got married, but it took you how many years before you really got married? Whatever it is, all I want to know is how much longer did it take you? So just let me see. Who can tell me? How much, you had a dream. You've accomplished it, but it took longer than you expected. How much longer did it take? Somebody give me. Give me. How much longer did it take? Ten years. Okay. Somebody else. How, long, how much longer? Two years. How much longer? Three years. How much longer? Five years. Anybody else? You had a dream, and you, you were planning on getting there, and it took longer than you expected. Somebody else give me another. How much, how much longer, sir? Forty years. Forty years. When I was in college, we had this guy. He came to speak for us, and he was um, Bible college students, theology students, seminary students, they're all kind of unique, especially when they're in the undergrad. Seminary is the master's program, but in the undergrad area, this guy came, and he was in our undergrad season. He, he spoke on ministry, and he was talking about when you become a pastor, and, and so there's hundreds of people in the room, and everybody's all excited, you know, this guy's name is Moody, he was here, he's a very famous preacher, and he, uh, uh, the Baptist guy, and he made a statement that was so profound, he said, uh, students, you're believing that God's going to raise you up and use you after you get your theological training? You're going to go out here and you're going to shake the world. And some of you think it's going to happen like that. But it will probably be at least 10 years. We wanted to boo him out of the room. <laughs> he said, to be really honest, it may take you as many as 15, but it would at least be a lot longer than you expect to be. Now, some people have success pretty early in life. It comes quick quickly, but if they, if they have success in one area, they'll be able to name eventually some place in their life. It may be marriage, it may be with their children, it may be at some point, I thought I'd get this child straight within a year, but it's taken me how long? Some of you say, I'm still working on it. It takes a while sometimes to get to the place you want to be. And the big question in your mind during those seasons is, am I going too slow? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I on top of this? And will I ever reach my purpose? Well, what I wanted to do is show you in Scripture a guy who I think models this, and I, I want to take you on this journey that will show you today how do you know if you're going too slow and how do you know if you're properly prepared. And I think that the, the theme of the sermon today is pretty simple. I'm arguing that sometimes you go slow 
because of specific issues in your life. Last week, I talked to you about rebellion and how rebellion can slow you down. Because you said no to God in certain seasons of your life, it slowed down your opportunity because you wouldn't cooperate. Today, I'm going to talk about being prepared. So rebellion can slow you down, and not being prepared can slow you down. And so our subtopic sub today is, say, slow down, slow down. By, lack of preparation. by lack of preparation. Sometimes you're asking for things that you're really not prepared for. You have not prepared to be married. That's why marriage is so difficult. You haven't prepared for a career change. You've not prepared. Many people that are in the military, you, you, you know, you, you can, and this is the trap, you can work, 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 and then all of a sudden retirement comes, and you didn't prepare. You might get a retirement check, but beyond that check, which isn't all that impressive all the time, you haven't prepared. And there are a lot of people who've gotten out of the military who will tell you that. I wasn't prepared for children. I wasn't prepared for the different seasons of their lives. I wasn't prepared for my seasonal changes. Emotionally, I wasn't prepared. And so sometimes in life, what slows down a person, what stops them from getting to God's greater purpose for their life is because they weren't prepared. So I want to give you a formula. How do you know if you going too slow. How do you know? And then I'll talk about someone that I think models being prepared and who showed us how to manage that. There are three things that I want to show you today that will help you analyze your life and help you assess whether or not you're going too slow. And if you could just for a moment think these three things through. They're so simple and they're so practical. Then I'm going to take you to Genesis 41 and show you a verse to how it all fits together. So look with me and notice, if you would please, the first thing you do if you want to measure whether you're going too slow. Number one, look at where you're going and the time it takes to get there. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Look at where you're going and the time it takes to get there. Now, that sounds simple, but that's just amazingly true when you just think about it. Let's say you're trying to get to Hilton Head. From here, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, is about an hour. It's one of my favorite places to go. We just went there for our honeymoon. It's just, you know, right up the road. It's a great place. And if you leave here and you know it's going to take you an hour and you want to be there by 11 o'clock, that means you, you can't leave later than 10. If you leave at 10.01, you're going to be late. So here's my suggestion. Leave at 9.30. Now you have 30 minutes worth of traffic, dis disruption, whatever you want. you got time to be there. If you want to really be early, you can leave at 9. Now I, I've learned Ricky Temple, and I've learned that Ricky Temple has to plan his departures early. Because I'll fiddle. I'm a fiddler. I'll shine up my shoes, iron up another shirt. I lay it all out the night before, and I, I settle all my arguments the day before. And what I choose is what I wear. That's it. There's no discussion. Not going. This is over unless something drastic happens. This is the deal. Because I know myself. Now, if you're ever late someplace, most of the time it's because you didn't plan well. Now, sometimes things can interrupt your life. Traffic, emergencies. I get that. 
But generally speaking, if you can measure the time it takes to get from a place, then you know how much effort you need to apply, and you tend to be on time. So look at where you're going and the time it takes to get there. Where are you trying to get in life? Where are you trying to go in life? Some of you have tried to go places, and you've set the wrong time. You thought you'd be married in three years, but there's no basis for that. That, that, that that's just a number you picked. You set a time that's unreasonable. If I, if I know that Hilton Head's an hour away, it's easy for me to set the time. But sometimes I'm setting times for things, and I'm not even honest about how long it takes to get there. I've never asked anybody who went there. I just assumed. So you blame yourself because you didn't get there, but who told you it takes an hour? If you've never been there, you, you wouldn't know. So a lot of times what you have to do is make sure you've got the right time in mind. Generally, when you talk to older people, they look at you and say, you're rushing that a little bit. Or sometimes they can look at you and say, you know, based on the speed that you're going right now, it's going to take you four years to get Hilton Head. <laughs> you're going too slow. But you, ha you have to know how far it is. You have to be clear about the distance. You can't know if you're going too slow if you don't know how far it is and how much energy it takes. You want to be a school principal, right? But that's uh, more than two years' journey. And so the best thing to do is ask somebody who was a principal. So a lot of times when you feel bad about going too slow, sometimes you're not going too slow. Your problem is you didn't measure the time right. You, you, and you're putting yourself under unfair pressure. You think kids are going to be normal by the time they're 13? No. No, it's going to take a while. That's why grandparents are so wonderful. So then you look, oh, it'll be a while. No, they're going to be crazy for at least another 10 years. <laughs> to you, there's going to be ups and downs and challenges and confusion, and they're going to think you off, and you're going to think they're off. It's just part of the journey. And so <clears throat> having been a pastor for 35 years, I find myself Telling pastors, ah, you'll be fine. Oh, the tennis is down. I don't worry. It'll go back up, but it'll go back down again, too. Is the money up or down? Ah, don't, don't worry. Both will happen. You just kind of learn. You learn how to measure time. And if you can do that, you'll be better able to determine whether you're going too slow or not. Now, if you absolutely know that Hilton Head is an hour from here, and you know it's, it's 945, you know your time is running out, but that's based on knowledge. My argument is that sometimes we don't know how far things are. There are a lot of things I felt bad about, and I shouldn't have felt bad, because I had no business thinking that it was an hour away and it was really four hours away. One time, Diane and I flew to, um, I was preaching in, uh, De in Decatur, not Decatur, uh, yeah, Decatur, Illinois. And um, there are two airports you tend to fly into when you're going to that part of the country. One would be Chicago and one would be in St. Louis. So they both kind of join up against that part of the country. And so Diane uh, booked the tickets, uh, and I think I agreed to this, and she booked the tickets in so we landed in Chicago. And so we got out of the car, got in the rental car, and we hit um, navigation to get to, because I hadn't preached there in, in probably five years or so. It was a long time since I'd been there, so I'd forgotten the distance issues. 
So when I landed and we put in the navigation, it said uh, three, I think it was three hours, maybe four. It was a long drive. And I, and I looked at Diane and said, Diane, uh, babe, what, she said, Temple. I said, I meant to tell you St. Louis. But so she booked it wrong. And so we had to drive and I had to preach in three hours. Yes, it was. I did not speed, praise God. I made it. But that shows you the danger of, of having the wrong time in your mind. So first of all, I want you to look at where you're going. Say with me, please, to look at where you're going and the time it takes to get there. Once you determine that, then you can tell if I'm going too fast or if I'm going too slow. Second thing you do is look at the tools you need to get there. You need, there are certain tools you need to get to certain places. So if you want to know if you're going too slow, look at the tools. Now, let's say you want to go to Hawaii. You need a boat. You don't need a car. You can drive a car to uh, Los Angeles or to San Francisco area where, where we flew over San Francisco on the way out. But you can go, and, but, but once you get to the Pacific Ocean, uh, you need a boat or a plane. So sometimes the issue is, if, if, I, if I'm not honest with myself, I, I, I don't have the right tools to get me where I want to be. So look at your life for a second and ask yourself, do I have the tools I need to get where I want to go? Look at your tools. Your tools help you measure speed. So for example, let's say if you want to get to Hawaii and you want to get there in 10 hours, uh, if you try to use uh, a, a boat, you won't make it. Uh, if you use a car, you'll just die when you drive into the ocean. Uh, you can't walk and you can't fly because you're not Superman or Superwoman. So your only hope is a plane. Look at the tools in your life. Sometimes the tools in your life help you assess and determine the speed you can go and need to go. Sometimes you don't have the tools to get you to the places you need to get to fast enough. For example, you don't have the education you need. That's why you're going at this speed. You need to back up, get the education, and then go forward. So look at the tools in your hand. Sometimes you need a certain attitude. The attitude is, could be what's slowing you down. The lack of education could be what's slowing you down. You don't have the tools you need uh, to be uh, in certain relationships. You have to have certain skills and abilities. I was talking to a, a wonderful young lady. She's from um, New York. Her par parents live in France, and she speaks like three or four languages. And we are talking the other day, and she, she said to me, she said, you know, Pastor Rick, uh, people, uh, and she looks Hispanic. She looks like uh, different parts of the day. She can look different ways. And I think I asked her, I said, what do you consider yourself? Are you French? Are you? She says, no. She says, I'm kind of whatever I need to be. And, and, and she speaks fluently in like these three or four languages. And so one of the things I think she does is translates for people sometimes from different countries for different business reasons. But she was saying, you know, we were talking about how in certain countries they have a different way of engaging people. And the French are pretty direct. They'll say, uh, an American, she had me laugh and said, an American might say, 
you know, praise God, don't, that you maybe should reconsider that. A French person would say, hey, that's bad. Don't do that. And a Russian person would be more direct than that. And she, her, here's her point. She said, when, when, I, when I date or when I deal with people, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't need somebody in my life who can't manage my world. So she said, it was really great. She says, I need somebody that's not thin-skinned. Because the world in which I move has different attitudes and different, different views. They, they're, they're, they, they can be um, sometimes tough, sometimes they can be nice, sometimes. And so her point was, if you're going to travel the world, you can't be thin-skinned. That's the tools she needed in order to maneuver in her world. Sometimes you, you're slowed down because you don't have those tools. You don't have the ability to be insulted. You, 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 you take things too personally. That was her point. And I thought about how that applied to this message today. Where can't God take you because you get so offended? You, you, you're bothered because someone didn't speak to you. You leave a church because someone didn't speak to you. You quit your job because they don't like you. Now, they don't pay you, but you're going to quit your job because they don't like you. I, I think that sometimes the Lord looks at us and says, you know, it's taking so long for you to grow to the right place in your attitude. You're going too slow. There is, there, you don't have the tools, and you won't develop the tools, the right perspective. And if, you, if you're like that, then it changes. Churches right now are going to become less relevant to people because we don't have the tools in place that, that meet the needs of people. And they look at us, and their view is changing. They view us as slow, slow in technology, slow in relevance. They don't, they don't get why they should come sit here for two hours and not be helped. They don't feel obligated. They're not forced by their mother and father to go to church anymore. And so sometimes if we as a church don't develop the right tools, we won't even know we're going slow. So look at your tools. Your tools will help you measure whether you're going too slow or not. And you got to have the right tools in place. you got to have the right friends. You've got to be in a certain, I believe, physical condition to have certain opportunities. Sometimes, you know, the Lord looks at us and says, you know, yeah, if I gave you that opportunity, ah, you just, you just you physically you couldn't manage it. You, 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 you know, you don't, you don't eat right. You, you're, you're sick most of the time. You, you know, you don't take your medicine. The doctor told you to take there's a whole list of things about the way you live and manage your life, the way you manage your money. You don't have the tools to even determine if you're going too slow or too fast. And so what I've, what I've learned is I've learned to step back and say, okay, Temple, first of all, I need to make sure I'm clear about where I'm going and how long it takes to get there. Number two, I need to make sure I have the right tools in place because without the right information about where I'm going, and without the right tools in my hand, I will not be able to make the right decisions. And I will make assumptions. And I'll blame people. I'll blame my mother, my father. I'll blame my friends. I'll blame the church. I'll blame the pastor. Please understand, this is your life. Can you practice with me and say, this is my life? Come on. This is my life. 
one more time. Can we say it like we really mean it? Say, this is my life. This is my life. And I want you to understand, it's not your responsibility as a church to give me the tools to pastor. It's my responsibility to check my education, my attitude, my friends, my world, to make sure I have the right tools in my hand that will help me determine, am I going too fast or too slow? It's my responsibility. If I pick a destination for us as a church and it was too slow or too fast, it's my responsibility to research, to ask questions, to humble myself down and let somebody show me. Temple, you overestimated that. Are you underestimated that? Are you leaving too late? One of my wife's favorite words sometimes, you, 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 are, you watching your time? Yeah, baby, we roll. Let's make sure we're getting out of here on time. You need somebody in your life who helps you check your time. You've been saved for how long and you still got a temper problem? How, how, how long is it going to take you to get free from this? You still cussing people out and you've been in church for how long? Tell your neighbor, say, too slow. Come on, too slow. Too slow. I mean, at some point, you know, you, you have to pause and say, this, I can't take this long. That's why I did this whole series. We, we have to become prepared. And, and that brings me to my, my third point. Look at how you respond to slow traffic. How do you know if you're going too slow? Well, first of all, you got to look at the, where you're going and the time it takes to get there. You look at look at the tools you need, and then you got to look at how you respond to slow traffic. Now, let me let me show you how this works. Joseph was a guy we're going to look at briefly, in Genesis 41, and this is a guy who was prepared to manage one of the most difficult seasons of our life. I call it slow traffic. You start out on a destination, and all of a sudden things slow down and, and it's just unfair and it's horrible. You get in the slow traffic, you get in the slow groove and all of a sudden life just, it just becomes unfair. Joseph shows us that he was prepared to manage slow seasons and difficult challenges in life. From the age of 17 to the age of 30, he was put in prison, basically enslaved. His brothers did it to him unfair. They lied on him. Horrible story. He worked for a guy named Potiphar. His wife lied on him. This guy had a reason to be bitter. For 13 years, this is a guy you would think should have given up on everything. But what we're going to see is during those 13 years, he was preparing. He was prepared for his purpose. And, and, and that says a lot to me because for some of us, during your most difficult seasons, you complain. You're not preparing for your victory. You just talk about what's wrong with you. And if you spend 13 years, if Joseph has spent 13 years complaining, when this great opportunity came, he would have missed it. So here's my argument. You could be slowed down, not because of your trouble and your problems, but because you're not preparing while you're going through your problems. So you don't like the job you're on right now. So you've been there for 10 years. Are you preparing for the next good job? Or are you spending 10 years complaining about that job? Watch this young man's story 
And let me show you really quickly how he, when he was in slow traffic, everything was going wrong for him, how he was preparing for his day of victory. Listen to what it says, and note the little note I gave you. Joseph was a man with an incredible ability to respond to painful, unfair, slow seasons with patience and toughness. With patience and what? Toughness. He kept his eyes on the big picture. Where did he keep his eyes? He did not allow the seasons of slow moving opportunities and fairness, or unfairness should be a better word, to stop him. He kept his composure. Say that with me, please. He kept what? One more time. He kept his what? And lived beyond the circumstances he was faced with every day. 13 years of being treated wrong. 13 years of unfairness. 13 years of broken relationships. 13 years of bad jobs. 13 years of financial strain. 13 years. That's what he faced. But watch the signs that Joseph was prepared for his purpose. Notice with me, number one, he had something that they call spiritual insight. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Spiritual insight. Watch this. Joseph gets this audience with Pharaoh. He's in prison. And Pharaoh has a dream he can't interpret. You've heard this before. He saw seven fat cows in a dream. And then he saw seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows ate up the seven fat cows. And, and, Joseph, and the Pharaoh didn't know what this meant. They told him there's a guy in prison named, named Joseph that can interpret it. They call him up. When they call him up, he is, watch this now, he doesn't have any time to prepare. If he's not prepared, the train moves beyond him. Listen to this. You have to be ready. When the train of opportunity comes your way, your attitude, your education, whether it be in school or wherever you learned it, I don't care, somewhere, you have to, you have, to have a certain level of knowledge, but have certain opportunities. Here's a, here's a guy standing now before Pharaoh, and this one opportunity can change his life. Now watch what happens, watch what happens. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh, this is what he tells Pharaoh, what he's about to do. Seven years of great plenty, plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after then, seven years of what? Famine. Come on, say it again. Seven years of what? Famine. Seven years of what? Famine. famine. Seven years of famine are going to come. Now watch this. Seven, excuse me, seven years of famine. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine will come. Now, verse 32, skip down. The dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. So the first thing I want you to notice is he has this ability to say, let me show you what I believe God is saying. So he has spiritual insight. But notice the second thing, and this impresses me more than just that. He has financial insight. He cannot, <laughs> excuse me, he doesn't just give Pharaoh spiritual insight. He switches. Watch what he says. Now, this is not solicited by Pharaoh. He just offers it because he's prepared. Watch verse 33. Therefore, let Pharaoh, excuse me, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man you need a leader, Pharaoh, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect how much? One-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in, in seven plentiful years. In the seven years of plenty, collect one-fifth of it. So notice he comes with a 
financial insight. He can switch. Can you? Are you just spiritual? Do you just know the word? You know God. You can speak in tongues. You can shout. But you can't switch. He's professional. He's not just saved, sanctified, and filled with the Spirit. He can count. He can do math. He has what I call a Joseph's answer. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Joseph's answer. He sees a problem, but he has an answer. If you ever hire people, here's what you like, especially from your senior staff. They can tell you the problem, or they can tell you an answer. I love my team. Bring me the problems with your solutions. Don't just drop it on my desk and leave it. You want me to pay you the big bucks? You need to tell me that you can solve these big problems for me. If I've got to solve all the problems, why am I paying you? I'm confused. So here you have this, this guy in jail who's been there for 13 years. But see, he'd already proven in Potiphar's house that he could manage. He'd already demonstrated this, but the Pharaoh didn't know that. He could have spent 13 years in that prison complaining, these people have done me wrong. He could have gotten high and said, you know what? I'm just going to drink myself in the sadness. <laughs> My brothers, 17, drop me off. Hold on, y'all. <laughs> and I, I'm, just, I'm just fed up. And he could, that could have been his story, but no, no. 30 years old, after 13 years, he has financial insight. And then he goes on, and he doesn't have financial insight. He has management insight. Listen to what he says in verse 35. He told him, he said, let them gather all the fruit of those years, good years, that are coming, and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh. You don't need to just store this grain. It needs to be under your authority because they'll take it. Use your name, Pharaoh. The guy in prison is advising the leader. Watch this now. Verse 30, um, 36. That, then that food shall be as a reserve for the land. He understands how to, how to manage stuff. Skip down to verse 37. Notice... He has man say with me, please. Say, say he had spiritual insight. Spiritual he had financial insight. Financial he had management insight. Now watch this now. And he had simple practical insights. Come on, say it with me, please. Simple practical That just made sense. Listen to what he said. So the advice, this is their response to Joseph's advice. The advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. If you're, if you're right and you're smart, people will notice it, whether you're saved or not, a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. Smart is smart. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Smart, smart is smart. smart. And guess what? Dumb is dumb, you know, right? <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's not a smart plan, it, it, people go, what is that? But this is a guy who obviously has been doing something with his brain beyond his brain. And this is so important for Christians to get. You can be saved, but a horrible employee. No financial insight, no management insight, can't organize, can't organize a tree. 
It don't move. You can't. You, you have you have trouble. And, and I understand management is not everybody's skill, but I want, I'm trying to show you. This is a guy who, when life was slow, was still preparing. So when the opportunity came, notice what they said about him in verse 39. They viewed him as a, a God-inspired man with insight. They, the people who didn't know God saw him this way. Verse 39, Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as who's shown you this? God has shown you all this. No one is discerning and as wise as you. Here's what I'm going to do. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Talk about a promotion. And it wasn't because he, it wasn't just because he knew God. But notice how Pharaoh views this. Because you have this management ability, because you can bring me solutions, I view that as a God gift. Sometimes people can't see God in you because your life is such a mess. Sometimes you can't see God in the church because everything's so chaotic. Starting late. Never, you know, you, you, you just, you just, sometimes you just, you're confused. Why we, why, why we starting late every week? Why, why are we here so long? I'm about to let you out in a few minutes. <laughs> you know, people just get confused. And, but I want you to notice how this ungodly man looks at him and says, I, I like what you just said to me. He doesn't correct his religion. He doesn't tell him he doesn't know God. He just models God. Some of you talk too much about God, but don't model him enough. Come on, amen. You know what I'm saying? You don't model him enough. On your job, you are not professional. On your job, you, you're trying to win everybody to Jesus. And that's why they plan on firing you, because they want to send you home to go win more people. Because on this job, you're not, you're not contributing financially. You don't care. You don't have any management commitment. And, and, and I want you to understand this. This is, this is an incredible moment. Now, I'm going to read off all these, so I don't forget them, but let me read it again. Number one, he had what? Spiritual insight. Number two, he had what? Number three, he had what? Management insight. Number four, he had what? Simple, practical insights. And number five, he had what? God-inspired leadership insights. They looked at him and said, this is a godly man. God has shown you this. You're talking like a godly man. Number six, notice now, he had humility and celebrity training insights. All that Pharaoh gave him never made him puffed up. Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand. Clothed, verse 42 says he clothed him in garments of fine linen verse, um, and, and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride on the second chariot. Imagine that the second Rolls Royce, he's riding with... And I love this part. Whenever he would walk, they, they cried out before him in verse 43, bow the knee. So now all of a sudden, you go from prison to people bowing when they see you. So he set him over, say it up with me, please, come on, all the land of Egypt. Verse 43, he set him over what? All One more time, set him over all the land of Egypt. How do you manage celebrity? How do you manage having all this power and not lose your mind? You prepare. 
Somewhere in those 13 years, this guy was getting ready. He was obviously praying, seeking God, adjusting his attitude. See, some of you right now are praying for God to get you through something. And he says, no, no, I slowed you down to prepare you for the next season of your life. But instead of being prepared, you're complaining. You catching it? You, you, Joseph, these 13 years were preparing him for something he couldn't even imagine. Imagine the next day you wake up surrounded by servants. The next day you're in the second chariot. Now, some people, if they really were mean, they ride right by Potiphar's house. <laughs> Ride my take my chair back around the house. I want her to bow again. Bow down there again, sister girl. Lied on me, put me back in jail. Bow down. How many times are you going around until my horse gets tired? That's when I'm going to ride around her house. Make her bow again. Lied on me like that. This guy inspires me. He was humble. He understood how to manage his, his slow seasons. And then the last part, and I'm done, is he embraced and managed the unfair. I, I, I like the fact that now, now Pharaoh is impressed with him. And so here's what happened. Pharaoh changed his name, and they gave him a wife. He didn't get to choose her. That's the moment. That's, you know, okay, I'm glad you gave me the chain and the signet ring. Let me choose my own wife now, okay? <laughs> Don't be changing my name now. Here's, here's what I've learned. Sometimes, even when you obey God and you go at the right speed, and you do everything you can that's right, you live through a tough season like Joseph did. The end is not what you, it's, it's not, there's a nice side to it, and then there's a surprise side to it. Here's a surprise side. The surprise side was that you changed my name. Pharaoh called his, Joseph's name Zephanath, which, which means God speaks and lives. When, imagine this. When Pharaoh looked at Joseph, all he can say is, God speaks and God lives when I look at you. <laughs> wow. I'd rather keep my own name, but, you know, sometimes God has a bigger purpose. You may get shifted to another department with another label, but I want you to watch this. Joseph so impressed him. Then he gave him a wife who, who was the daughter of, of, of a guy who was a priest of own and some idol-worshiping guy. So he's got a wife he didn't ask for, a name he didn't ask for, but it's still all God. Here's my point. Sometimes God will do things for you that you can't explain. But notice that Joseph, number seven, last point of the sermon, he embraced and managed what was unfair. He embraced it. I'm still a servant. I'm second in charge, but I'm still a slave, technically. Even though I'm in power and I got all this control, my whole life is still controlled by this, this pharaoh. I, he's changed my name. He's given me a wife I didn't ask for. But notice, he obviously loved the wife. See, sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't come like you plan it. 
Sometimes you kind of, you know, place, you know, but you've done, it is a lot of good in your life. This is what can confuse people. There's a lot of good in my life, but it's still not everything I planned. It's got some elements in here that, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have married her, or I probably shouldn't have, you know, I, I wouldn't change my name, but, it's, but that, if that's what you need to call me, it's okay. Notice he embraced it. Some of us, I'm telling you, one of the wisest things my wife ever said to me, she was a temple embracing our differences. She said, I embrace them. You don't. You got to embrace the fact that we're different. I'm a female. Get it. <laughs> Joseph looked at his circumstance and said, okay, I'm not in prison. That's cool. I'm highly promoted. That's cool. But I'm not going to be, I still don't get everything I want. Some of us, the problem is, you think you're going to get everything you want. You think you're going to have a life where there's not going to be anything that's not quite perfect. I like the fact that this guy embraced the woman. You're my wife? Let's make it work. Let's make this work. We asked, I asked somebody one day, uh, the other day I was talking to somebody who was part of a culture where they arranged marriages. And, and they asked, I said, well, how do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? He said, you learn to love each other. That's powerful to me. Do you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 7, all the conversations in the Bible about marriage, we're talking to are people who, who arranged marriages. Their marriages weren't, they didn't choose it like you guys fall in love and all that. They didn't do all that. Daddy said, you get to marry Bernardo. <laughs> and that's it for life. Bernardo better be it. There's no changing and swapping. Families would marry away their sons, you know, for, for all political reasons. And it was it. You do it or die. So you learn to love him. I, I like the fact that he embraced what was not perfect. Sometimes you don't need to try to go faster, get out of anything, just say it's okay. This is a season of my life that's slow. And during this season that's slow, I'm just going to prepare for God's blessing. When the blessing comes, if the blessing is not all I expected, there's some elements to it that I still don't quite like. It's still okay. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to believe that God's going to prepare me for another blessing. I want to be the kind of person who opens my heart to God and allows him to guide me. Lift your hand with me. Father, bless us today. As we leave this church today, I pray your spirit would bring healing and grace to every heart and every mind. I love, Lord God, the strength of Joseph. I love the example he shows us. A man who, during the slow seasons of his life, prepared. Some of us, Lord God, during the slow seasons, we didn't prepare. And so when you brought that opportunity, we were not ready for it. Some of us, Lord God, have not taken an honest look at our tools. There are things you want to put in our life, but we've been too slow to adjust our attitudes, too slow to welcome friends in our life that challenge us. We surround ourselves with friends who don't. We've been too slow to respond to our physical needs, too slow. And some of us, Lord God, have just not honestly assessed that this is going to take longer. We have miscalculated the distance. So we don't know whether we're going slow or fast, but God, help us to get honest for a moment, just sit with you. Bring people into our life. Help us to reassess the distance. 
And that will help us know, I need to speed up, I need to slow down. And so God, I believe by faith, when all this is done, we're going to be able to reach our purpose. Help us, Lord God, today. Somewhere in this message, people were lifted. Somewhere they were guided to a better place. I thank you for it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've heard a message in my walk with Jesus. I need, I need to get myself realigned. I need to find God's purpose for my life. And some of you have been going too slow. Too slow to respond. You've been taking too long. You need God to get to a place of peace in your life. That's a tool you need. You need prayer. You need the word of God. So I want to ask you, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. And what you said has helped me see that. I want, with every head bowed, I want you simply to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You say, pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else say, pray for me. I see you. Anybody else say, pray for me, Pastor. I need, I need to know God. I see you too. I see you too. I see you. God bless you. Father, I pray for these who raised their hands today. I pray for these, Father, about 10 people who said, I, I need Jesus in my life. Touch them. Those who are home as well. Touch those, Lord God. Those who lifted their hands and those who lifted their hearts. May they say, Jesus, I get it. And I, I don't know whether I'm going too slow or too fast, but I'm going to slow down enough and let you show me. I'm going to let the people in my life, I'm going to take the message I heard today and let this prayer be the beginning of my new life with you. I surrender my life. I trust you for your forgiveness. Christ paid it all for me on the cross. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.